You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Courtney Nicole Davis, a mindset coach who changes lives by changing minds. She's also gone through a weight loss journey to join a bikini bodybuilding competition, and she most recently underwent a massive medical diagnosis that is totally life-altering, and now she is truly living the life of going from simply surviving to thriving. So be sure to stay tuned through the episode, drop us your thoughts on social media, and without further ado, welcome Courtney. Thank you for having me, Erica. I'm so excited. So, I'm so, so excited. stoked you're here. We met what, yeah. like, oh my God, years ago. I think 2016. I think 2016. It wasn't 20. I think it was 2016. Okay. So yeah, we've known each other since I think 2016-ish. So mm-hmm. let's just dive right in so that you can tell everybody your story, because I swear you've been, you've been a huge inspiration to me because of your positive mindset, your faith, everything. You're just like a total rock star. So I have a feeling you're going to really inspire everyone listening today with your story. So hop on into it and just tell us all about you. Well, first of all, thank you so much. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, like you said, my name is Courtney Nicole Davis. And I will say I am based out of currently New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, but I did live in Carolina for like 10 years. So I kind of go in between the two. Uh, My husband's from Carolina, so we go back and forth. But what I want to start with is, yes, I'm a mindset coach. And the way that I became a mindset coach was going through all the things that I've gone through in my life. It was always the mindset piece that got me through it. And I think that even when I was younger and I was doing things like the affirmations and other things, I didn't realize that it was the mindset portion of it that was like taking me through and getting me there. And when I did the bikini competition, when I got into the bodybuilding stuff, it was the mindset that makes you go back to the gym, even when you're tired and you don't want to do it anymore. And you get excited to rip your muscles up again. (laughs) You just did it yesterday and you're doing it now. So that is what I do. And the reason why I do what I do is because of everything I have overcome, because I know that. When you change your mind, you change your life. And now that I've seen it and I've seen other women do it and I've had clients and friends and family do it as well, I know that is, that is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And talk to us a little bit more about that, if you will, like what were some of the most pivotal things that you went through that you found yourself going back to different, what would be mindset practices, or maybe you didn't even know it was that at the time. What were these sort of things where you looked back at a certain point as an adult and you were like, wait a minute, this is all, this is all thanks to my mind. So the way that a lot of it started was when I was 20 years old, I was in a really abusive relationship. I gained, I went from being, you know, went to college and it wasn't like the freshman 15. It was the freshman or the sophomore, the junior 150 pounds. So when I gained that much weight, Nobody recognized me, nobody knew it, but people also didn't know that I was in this abusive relationship. And finally, when I left that relationship and put it out there, I had to look the way that I used to look. I wanted to be back into being like my regular self and getting into the gym and doing those things. That was all mindset. I started writing down what I wanted to look like. I I started writing down how I love my body. I started writing down how I could do anything. 
And when I first started doing it, it sounded crazy. It sounded like, what is this going to do? It's going to do nothing. But the more that I did it, I just kept doing it. I got promoted at work. And then when I left that job and I went to my new job, they would say to me, why do you have all these things written in at your desk? And I used to have my affirmations and my sales goals at my desk, but I would say that it was coming to me. I knew that it was coming. I would have these huge numbers and they'd be like, there's no way you're going to hit that. But I always did. And I would say, no, money comes easily to me always. I know it does. So with that mindset, it got me through anything that I was going through, whether it was the first relationship that was horrible and it made me gain all that weight, but gaining all that weight created my mindset because I had to get through it. And a lot of the times I think people, even with their mindsets, they don't realize that the easiest way to get through something is just by walking through it. Like you can't go around it. You just have to walk through it. And that is what doing all the mindset work that I've done and learning more about my subconscious mind and the conscious mind and like the things that you can do to add confidence back into your life and understanding the money portion of it. That was a big thing too, because in corporate, I was in sales and I used to think that, you know, once you get to a certain level in sales and you get to a certain income bracket that things are going to go away. Right. Cause well, no, I have money now. It fixes everything, but things didn't change. Things were the same way. Did it matter if I had this huge commission check when I wasn't taking care of the other stuff, I was still stressing and still worrying and still having all those things going on. So when I did decide to leave corporate, left my big girl job and I said, I'm going to start a business. I thought I was just going to be a business coach. And that was what I did, but everything with my business coaching, it went back to mindset. And then I realized that people were asking me for mindset because I couldn't help them if their mindset wasn't where it needed to be. It was like, Mm -hmm. you have to have the prerequisite before you can get to the next level. And I feel that a lot of people believe and think that they can take care of their mindset once they get to that next level. But the same problems that you had at the lower level are just going to be bigger at the higher level. So that's really what mindset has done in my life and for me. And that's why, I don't know, I just love it. I love teaching people how if they change their mind, they change their lives. It really, really, really works. It really, it really works. <laughs> and it's incredible because you truly practice what you preach too. Because I, I feel like from the moment I met you, you were still preaching the same thing. And you're probably one of the, you're one of the few people I feel like in a certain space online where your messaging has been consistent and regular and unchanged for years. Like I've seen so many people where they Mm -hmm. wanted to get into coaching or something and then they started off as one thing. And then the next, the next week, they're a totally different kind of coach or they have a different brand or they have whatever. And it's like, you have been consistent with your purple hair and all of like, even your same taglines, everything has been the same and been Mm -hmm. consistent for literally years, which I feel like is such testament to like, not only you as a person and as a coach, but also that's what you have to do when you're building a mindset practice is that like, you have to be consistent (laughs) and keep on going. (laughs) So I feel like that's awesome. Can you explain to everyone what a mindset coach actually is like what that entails and how you actually help people in that role. Because I feel like there's probably people that are like, wait, what is that? Is that like a therapist? Is it like, are you just telling me to like look in the mirror and say that I'm beautiful? Like what, what is that? (laughs) So I like, that's a great question because a lot of people like, I don't, what is a mindset coach? I don't even know what that does, especially when you're telling somebody that isn't from the online space. Right. they're just thinking like, I don't understand what that is. Entrepreneur. It's woo-woo. Right. Yeah, it's woo-woo. It's all these things. And clearly I'm not woo-woo. I'm like very into my faith. Like, no, it's more than that. And when people are thinking like, 
well, how do you even take care of your mind? What does that mean? That's where my tagline came from. Change your mind, change your life. And it's really, it's kind of like what you just said about people not being consistent with their, their messaging or like they change it up. A lot of the times it's not because they don't want to do what they were doing before. A lot of people will do the things that they feel like they're supposed to do. So even if you're saying like, I used to joke around and be like, I'm never going to be a web designer. I can promise you that, that technology is not my thing. So if I come out and I'm like, here's Courtney. Now she's a, now she's a, a web designing coach that wouldn't happen. All right. Like it had to be what I was doing, what really, really drove me, what really was my purpose. And so when you ask, what does a mindset coach do? A lot of clients that I have, or even people that come into my circle, that they watch my YouTube or they watch my videos or they find something on my Pinterest. It's because they're searching for something and they don't understand why they haven't gotten that to that place. And a lot of the times they don't even know what that place look like, looks like. They don't even know where they're headed. They know that they want to be different from where they're at right now. But if you ask somebody, well, what do you do? What do you want to do? They normally can't say what that is. So what I do is I teach women and men, but I teach mostly women how you can one, choose yourself and how focusing on your mind, like changing your language and the way that you process stuff and the way that you actually tell yourself that you're awesome or look at yourself in a positive light. Because what I found is a lot of people don't know how to do that. They only know how to critique where they're falling short, but they don't know how to say, instead of me starting with the 10 things I need to work on today to make myself better, what if you started with the 10 things that are awesome about you today? And what if you started with the 10 things that are going to be great when you accomplish them today. Instead of being like, well, yesterday I didn't do X, Y, Z today, ABC isn't going to get done because I didn't do X, Y, Z yesterday. And then you're already in like this negative space. Mm -hmm. So I show my clients, this is how you change your mind. You take care of it first. You don't put it off until later and focus on what are the blocks that are holding you back in your business. And I think one of the things that we see is a lot of people think everybody has the same blocks and that's not the case. Everybody doesn't have the same blocks. Everybody doesn't have the same issues around their mindset. And also everybody doesn't have their mindset where they need to have it. And they don't realize it until really they blow up. Like they, let's say your business blows up and then it's like, Oh, well maybe I should have done this before, but now I don't know what to do. So I'll just wait till I get to it. Like I said, the next level, the next level, the next level. And then <laughs> they're kind of like, okay, now what do I do? So that's where I teach my clients. No, we're going to change your life by changing your mind. And it's really simple. It's really easy. That's you mentioned blocks. And I, mm -hmm. that makes me think too. I heard it said before, like new levels, new devils. It's like, literally mm -hmm. you keep going up and you're still going to be attacked by new things or have new challenges you face all the time, no matter who you are. And no matter what level you're at in life, you literally can't escape it. What is for everyone listening a block? Because I, that was something that blew my mind when I first learned about that concept. And then what do you think, if there is one thing, I'm really curious, what would be like one of the top mindset blocks that you see maybe m more women than not have something, even though everyone has different blocks, obviously, is there anything that you do see as being kind of like a, a consistent one across all women or most women or entrepreneurs or whatever? I think, so a block is something that is stopping you from getting to your next level. And I can explain that better when I say what you said, what is the number one thing? I'm going to give two because I feel like people are on two different sides. They're either this or they're that. Then there's other blocks too. But the most common that I've seen, even from just being 
in a mastermind or being the mindset coach for a group program or my own clients, a lot of women, and I say women because I haven't seen this as much with men because men aren't really scared to get on video or they just won't do it. They're, they're either scared or they won't do it. But women feel that the people that are watching them, the things that they're saying, like they, they can't do it. They can't ask for the amount of money they, they want and they don't know why. They can't understand why. And when I say, well, why can't, did you tell them what the price was? Well, no. Well, did you have that call? Did you, did you tell them like what the package was going to be? Well, we didn't get there yet. Or when they put out an offer, the reason why they're stopping from putting out an offer is because they're afraid to talk about the price. And even with sales clients, like when they're, it's their, their money mindset around their sales, they're so afraid to even ask for the price because it makes you vulnerable. And when maybe I should say that being vulnerable is the biggest mindset block, but being comfortable with being vulnerable, then you kind of break through that because once you you're okay with being vulnerable, if somebody doesn't want to pay my price for my coaching, or they don't want to pay my price for my mind maker program, or they don't want to pay me, I'm not going to tell them you should pay me because I don't want any client or customer or patron that is going to feel like it needs to be justified. Why did I pay this? It wasn't worth it. It wasn't these things because that shows me that the money mindset already isn't where it needs to be. So if you don't feel that, if you don't think that that's a good thing, I don't want you to feel like I'm asking for too much because what I supply is the solution and the transformation. I don't, I personally can't make up somebody's mind. I can change somebody's mind by making them change their own mind and making them choose themselves. But I can't change their mind. I can't change anybody. You can't change anybody's mind. Like even when you try to change your daughter's mind, right? Like you can try all you want, but if a toddler is stuck on something, even if a 25 year old is stuck on something, they're not going to get over that. They have to change their own mind. The same with the weight loss journey. Like you can give somebody a diet, you can give somebody a workout program, you can give them what they should be eating. You can give them all those things, but until they change their mind that they don't want to live the way they were living. Okay. I changed my mind this morning. I'm going to do this. That's them changing their minds. But really the being vulnerable piece is probably the biggest block because people are scared. And when you ask them, well, what are you scared of? I don't know. They don't know. And then they'll say that their friend or their sister or somebody is going to judge them or they think this. And I'll say, well, did they actually say that? And a lot of the times nobody's ever said anything to them. It's just that they are already thinking that because their subconscious mind has told them for so long, that's what's going to happen. I think definitely being vulnerable and being comfortable with being vulnerable, you're no longer afraid to ask for money. You're no longer afraid to ask for sales. And you're no longer upset when someone says they can't do it or they're not going to do it or they never intended to do it. You're just like, okay, next. Like it's not that big of a deal because you're confident about yourself and you know, in your mind, I'm good. I'm not freaking out about anything. Do you think on the flip side too, people self-sabotage and end up mm. creating accidental blocks where you're pushing really hard? Because I've experienced that myself, oh my God, for years where like you have ambitious goals and you're going, going, going. And then you're, you're like, wait, why am, I, why am I stuck at a certain level? I heard someone, maybe it was you, who the heck knows, talk about it before like that, where you literally are, you self-sabotage and accidentally have a block there that you put there for some reason and in your subconscious mind and don't even necessarily realize it, what's going on. But tell us about that too, because I think that that, I just nerd out over that. I think it's so cool. <laughs> I might've said that because I read the, I'm looking at my bookshelf. That's so 
The Big Leap. I don't know if you've ever read The Big Leap. Haven't read but it, but it I think I've heard about, it. Okay. It's really good. It's really, really good. But The Big Leap, he talks about different things that are blocked. He doesn't call them subconscious blocks, but that's what they are. They're subconscious blocks, but they're things that you could have gone through before in your life. One of the kind of subconscious blocks he talks about in the book, and like I said, he doesn't call it a subconscious block, but that's pretty much what it is, is that he had his mom and his brother at home and he was afraid to leave them. So he couldn't understand why he couldn't get ahead. But really it was his language. It was the things that he was too afraid to do. It was the things that he was actually afraid that he would be more successful than his brother. And he felt like because it had always been him and his mom, I, I don't deserve that. I can't do that. I can't leave them behind. And a lot of people don't want to leave people behind. And so they don't help themselves to get higher from where they're at. Cause they're like, if I leave you behind, I'm being selfish. If I don't get you to the level that I am at, we can't do this together. Or when you're subconsciously blocking yourself, you might just get into a random fight and not even know why you got into this huge fight with your spouse or huge fight with one of your friends or huge, this thing just blows up. And it's like, well, are you burnt out? Are you actually telling yourself that it's going to be okay? Did you change your language around this? You're subconsciously stopping yourself before you even get started. So mm. when you learn that like your subconscious mind controls 85 to 90%, depending on the study or the book or the person you're talking to, that at least 80% of everything that you're doing, the conscious decisions are only when you're awake and you're actually thinking about it. But subconsciously, your subconscious mind is always working behind the scenes. It's always telling you when you're going to think about, well, do I want this dress or that dress? And then, well, I, I don't really, in your mind, not, you're not saying it out loud, but in your mind, you're like, well, I don't need that dress because when I was younger, I had a dress like that and it was blue and I looked fat in it. So I know that I look fat in blue dresses. So I'm not gonna get this blue dress. I'm giving an example. I don't wear a blue dress. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm, I don't ever wear blue dresses. And when someone says to her, why don't you wear blue dresses? Oh, cause I look fat in blue dresses. That could be something that happened when she was like six years old in first grade that she was called fat and she couldn't get over it. And then now she doesn't wear blue dresses and she never wore a blue dress again. But why are you not wearing blue dresses? And then once you go down the rabbit hole and realize that was something that happened when you were younger and that's the reason why you don't want and using the dress just makes it simple to understand Something could have happened when you were in your career, in your job, or in an old relationship, and you never got over that. You never actually dealt with it. So when you get into a new one, or when you get into a new car, when you get into a new friendship, you're going to hold those same beliefs that you had from the past in your subconscious mind and think it's going to be the same way. And then you subconsciously stop yourself. You like trip yourself up. And then you're like, how did I get back here? But that's how you got back there. That's why with mindset work, when you say subconscious, that's why it's such a big part is learning how to train your subconscious mind. And when I say that, there are people or programs, or I used to say it, reprogram your mind. And I watched a TEDx talk and the speaker was talking about how you don't need to reprogram your mind. That's the wrong thing to say because most people never program their minds. Mm. So reprogramming it is the wrong vocabulary to use when you're telling somebody you need to reprogram your mind because most people just don't have their minds programmed they just have like it's like having a a computer that never had any software installed it's still in there like you have the software but you never actually installed it to run on the actual desktop right didn't mean you never had it 
but until you program it, it's not going to work the right way because it hadn't been tested out, hadn't been any of those things. So once you actually program your mind, the same blocks that you had before, they don't seem to be blocks anymore. You don't even think about them. You're just like, oh no, no, that's, that's crazy. Or like when all clients, they'll come back and say, you know what I realized? Some random thing will come out from like when they were in college or when their child was first born. That's only from doing the mindset work though. It's not like it just, they woke up and were like, I know why I feel this way about my husband. And that's the, it's not from that. It's from doing the subconscious work to retrain yourself. Why do you think you're not beautiful? Why do you think you're not beautiful? You ask somebody because I'm not, but why do you think that? And actually digging in and making someone tell you why they think that most people don't even know why they think that. And when you can actually uncover why you think it, you can deal with why you think it. And you might even look at yourself and be like, wow, that was crazy that I thought that for so long. And once you break the block, boom, then you're good. Well, and it's, it's, it's hard. And I feel like that's why a lot of people shy away from it because it's oftentimes a painful process because it's, mm-hmm. you feel like you're opening yourself up to your deep, dark past. It feels like inception. Like you're literally going into mm-hmm. your subconscious, but it's so true. Like I did that myself. I, for me, I went to therapy and ended up connecting. Like I was reacting a certain way to people like girls on Instagram, for example. Like if I, if I felt like I was being picked on or whatever, or like just like had weird relationships with people it would really bother me. And I was like, why? I knew why it bothered me because I had been doing work, but it literally took going to therapy to draw it all the way back to specific instances in literally the fifth grade where we had to unpack stuff that I had like blocked and black, like literally blacked out in my subconscious where mm-hmm. I could, I had to call my mom and be like, what even happened? Because I could, I had, it had, I had stored it so deep down ended up literally being diagnosed with PTSD from some stuff. And it literally took that type of extensive process to be like, wait, I'm reacting a certain way as an adult because of something that happened like so long ago, because it's just, it becomes so ingrained in how you think and you internalize it Mm -hmm. as to how you are. And that's just not half the time. It's not even, it's not real. (laughs) So we're like you said, it's like you have to so intentionally program your life in a different way for history to not repeat itself and Mm -hmm. for you to not just literally be running on autopilot with the things that were put on you by other people. And you might not even realize they were put on you by other people. So it really takes so much intentional work and thought and effort to, to like choose and create your own life. That's not being chained essentially by other people and other people's opinions. Yeah. Well, when you say that, and I'm going to be totally honest, I uncovered my own subconscious block when I just said, if Courtney ever came out like a website designer, you know that that's not my messaging. You know, I can't do that. However, that subconscious block around like websites. Now it's like joking and laughy and like, it's fine. When I first started my business in 2015, I had someone that was helping me and I had done my own website. Now I was brand new to everything and I'm not the tech person, but it still looks pretty but a lot of the links were broken and it didn't work. I had been in business for like two months and this was a friend and people can't see on the podcast, but I'm like friend I'm doing the air quotes, (laughs) a friend. And she told me, you can't do websites. This this looks awful. No one's going to buy from you doing this. You really need to get a designer. Just so happens that she was a designer. I didn't end up using her, but since that had happened, Everything with my stuff, I sold everything without a website. I had a website and then when the website expired, I didn't use the website anymore. Everything I used social media, 
But I was able to do what people said you couldn't do. They said you couldn't sell on social media without a website. You couldn't do stuff, stuff without Facebook ads. You couldn't do any of those things. But the reason why I never did any of those things is because in my mind, I thought I can't do technology. I can't do websites. I don't know how to do any of those things. So I'm not even going to touch it. And to look back and actually realize it was a subconscious block. I had to work through it. The way that I worked through it was I rebuilt a website and I did it all myself and I did what somebody said I couldn't. And once I did it, I was like, oh, there was no reason why I couldn't have done it. I was just too scared to get started because mm. I was telling myself, you can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. Why would you waste your time? So I was running myself around like in a circle because I just kept doing all of this work, staying busy, creating content, but I didn't have anywhere to put it anymore. And I, it was like, I was getting burnt out because only using social media will get you burnt out because then you're just seeing the stuff all the time. And I can't have a website because I can't do that. So that was a subconscious block that I broke through. It's it, doing all the mindset work. But if I didn't do mindset work, I probably wouldn't even have known it was a subconscious block. Yeah. And when people are like, what, when are you going to finish your website? I'm like, it's almost done. I would never finish it because I always thought that it had to be more perfect and it wasn't this way. And I would change the font again and I would resize this and I would resize that. Do I think that anybody buys anything from me because they look at my website and think that it's awesome? No, not at all. And when I looked back at that, it was like, I don't even, if I made all this from not having a website, imagine when I do have a website, it's kind of like just having an accessory, like I'm having something that kind of makes it better, but subconscious blocks are real. They really, really, really do happen. Absolutely. If someone wants to check themselves almost and mm -hmm. check their mindset right now, and maybe try to start discerning whether or not they do have blocks. Is there a way for people to even do that? You know, like if someone's sitting there and they're like, okay, I can't afford therapy. I don't even know if I need a coach, but I just kind of want to see where I'm at personally. What should people do? I think the one thing I've done this with challenges, I've done this with my programs. I've done this with clients. And it sounds so easy, but it's so difficult for people to do. And then that kind of makes them realize, wow, I, I didn't realize I couldn't say all these things about myself. I'll say, write down a hundred things that are awesome and amazing about you. That's it. Just write down a hundred things. And the first thing will be like a hundred, a hundred. Yeah. Write down a hundred things, a hundred different things. And I'll explain it. Like I'm awesome because my hair is purple. I'm awesome because my, my hazel eyes look more brown or look more green. I'm awesome because I use the word fantabulous and people know that it's simple things. Like you don't have to start with I'm awesome because I graduated from the university of South Carolina. It, it doesn't have to be that detailed, but for so many people writing a hundred things that are awesome about them is a challenge. It's something that they can't even imagine doing. And then let's say you get up to 50 or you get mo most of the time they'll get up to 30, 35, 40 that next 60 are so difficult to get to. But by doing that exercise, what are you awesome at? If you are thinking you're not awesome at all of these things in your business, why are you not awesome at them? Why can't you write them down? Because if you look at what your business model is and all the things you're telling your clients or your video viewers or your podcast listeners, all these things that you do, but you can't actually write it down pen to paper to see yourself write it, then you can figure out this is where I might be lacking because there's a reason why the same way that I could not make a website and I would never finish it. It's the same reason why somebody can't write down these awesome things about themselves because they don't truly believe that that is awesome. So that, that's where I start. I think that is the easiest way for me. And I know other coaches do different things, but for me, that's what I do.
So then if someone does all of that, they look at that and they're like, oh shoot, I only have 30 things. Mm -hmm. Then what? What's next? So if they only have 30 things, what are, what are the other 70 that you would want to have? So like once they get to 40, once they get to 50 and they, they've only gotten to that number and they still need 50 more, what are the things that you would want to say about yourself? Or what are the things that you would love to say? Like for instance, I look so great in these and I'm awesome because my leggings that I buy, I look great in them. Why couldn't you write that down? You want to look great in these leggings. You already own the leggings. And this is just making it simple. You already own the leggings. Why can't you write that down? And that's why I said pen to paper because we type all day long. Like I could have been typing. We were talking before we even started doing the podcast mm -hmm. and you were typing and talking to me at the same time, but you weren't realizing you weren't digesting what you were typing. When you yeah. write it down pen to paper, does it scare you to write down your money goal? Does it scare you to write down, I am so awesome because I can bring in six figures in a year? Are you scared to write that down? If you're scared to write it down, that's probably where you have a block. So get as many as you can done and then write down the things that you want to say about yourself. If you want to say about, about yourself, why can't you say them yet? That'll make you dig deep to figure like, well, why can't I say that about me? I don't understand why. Well, there your subconscious blocks go. And getting to one subconscious block normally leads to another one and leads to another one because then you get more comfortable because you're being vulnerable and you say, okay, that's what it was. That's why I was stopping myself. And what I've also found from clients is once they break that block, they feel crazy for thinking it. And I'm like, but see, it was just a subconscious block. That's all it was. It's not true. You told yourself it was, and it wasn't. So yeah, once they get those 50, then take the other 50. What do you want to see? How do you want to see yourself? And why don't you see yourself like that already? That's awesome. So do you do this in like a morning routine for your, mm -hmm. like, I'm so curious if you have a morning routine and what you do in yours. Cause I've shared mine before on the blog and podcast and wherever. And I'm just, you always hear like, I don't know if it's, what percentage of how many millionaires or all sorts of successful people all have morning routines. So what is yours? <laughs> okay. So first I get up early and I like say that, early? I said early, like I am up at like three 45. I'm ready to three 45. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, I will say I'm not, I'm not the person that's like, you have to get up early. You have to do it this way. Some people it's uncomfortable for them to get up early. It's uncomfortable. They, they, they have kids in the house. I don't have any little babies yet, right? So it's easier for me to do that. My husband gets up at the same time, but I'm ready and roaring to go by 4.30 in the morning. Plus I have other clients that are in the UK. So I have to be up anyway for that. And I want to make sure that I'm totally ready by the time they're ready for me. I will do my gratitudes. That's the thing that I always do every day. Even if I don't have time for anything else, I do the 10 things that I'm grateful for. The 10 things every single day I do that. I will read something like some portion of a book that I am working on, but I'll do it for 20 minutes. And people say that reading a book takes you so long. Well, if you do it for 20 minutes a day, every single day, reading that book doesn't take as long. So I do that for 20 minutes. And then I do some kind of a physical activity activity. I have a trampoline in my office, like the kind that you can jump on. And I got that. From the little drive. ones. Yeah. I yeah. have one too. And I love yeah. them so much. So realign myself. But the thing that started that, the miracle morning. I don't know if you've heard of the miracle mm -hmm. morning. Yeah. It's awesome. I started doing the miracle morning. So that's kind of where I got that from. I already did my affirmations, So I do my affirmations. And then I also will make sure to go back the same things that I did in the morning. 
at nighttime, I'll go back and review, like if I really felt like that the whole day, just to remind myself what it was. Oh, and I write down my wins. Like, these are my wins. These are my wins at night. These are my wins for the day because I want to go back and remember all the things that were awesome. Even if it's just like me manifesting a parking spot at the front of the store, I write that down and be like, okay, I manifested this. I manifested this. I manifested that. And that's when my mom will be like, you're crazy. And I'm like, nope, I can manifest anything. And then when we go and do stuff and I'm like, look what I manifested today because I write down my wins because it's really easy to write down all your losses. It's really easy to write down all the bad things that happened yesterday, especially it's 2020. You could find bad things are so easy to find. Negative news is like, it's, it's everywhere, but actually pulling out the good news and pulling out the things that are wins for you and pulling out the things that you never thought you could do. And now you've achieved them. Even if it's, I lost two pounds. That's That's a win, right? So have a win. That's, but that's every day. That is what I do without any questioning, like the gratitudes I have to get done. Even when I was at a retreat in Mexico, I had my book and I was doing my gratitudes every morning and the girls were at the retreat. They started doing their gratitudes every morning and they still do their gratitudes. This was back in February. And the girls were like, listen, once we started doing that, I do my gratitudes every single day. Cause like it gave them a different vibe. It gave them a different feeling and to wake up and be grateful is a whole lot more fun than to wake up and be miserable because it's easy for people to get into your brain and tell you in your mind, you're supposed to be miserable. Everybody else is miserable right now. So why are you different? But if you're like me and you're like annoyingly positive, because I've gotten myself, that's what I'll say to people when they first meet me though. I'll be like, listen, I'm letting you know when I say something to you, I'm annoyingly positive. So when you say something negative, I'll probably correct you. Not because I don't care, but because I do care and I just don't do the negative stuff. So yeah, but that, that's my morning routine. That I, I love that. And that's, that's something, what you just said is so, so important and people miss this. It's like, if you have the power to be grateful for even the seemingly smallest little thing in your life, mm-hmm. it has such profound impact on the rest of your mood. And if it's something that is so little as just like being aware of what's going on around you and what's happening mm-hmm. and just counting little blessings as they come, if that has the power to just uplift your mood, even in these like little incremental ways that add up, why would you not want to do that? Because it's just a matter of being aware of what's going on around you and acknowledging good as it comes. And like, it's something that we all, you all experience, regardless of what sort of hardship that you have been through, regardless of what sort of shit is going on in your life, there is Mm -hmm. still some, like you still have a good cup of coffee sometimes, or you still look out and see a beautiful sunset sometimes. Like there are still things that happen that you can still be like, okay, I am thankful that I saw that, or I am grateful that I saw that video or did this, saw this person or talked to so-and-so like good things still happen. So I think Mm -hmm. you're totally right. Like it really has such a profound impact on your entire mood. Mm -hmm. And then if you really want to add to it, when you write down the gratitude, say why you're grateful for it. Like with my, I'm trying to find my pen, my pen from Elevation. I'm always grateful for my pen because I write the the best messages with my pen from Elevation Church. So I'll write down, I'm so grateful for my pen because I'm able to write down my content. Just saying, why are you grateful for it? I'm so grateful for the blinds in my office because when I don't want it to be light out, I can dim the blinds or I can turn the blinds the other way and I don't have to worry about the sun coming in and blinding me. Something that simple, but it's one thing like, oh, well, my blinds are awesome. This pen, I'm going to write down the things today. I got it. And why are you grateful for it? Because it's not just saying like, 
I am so thankful for the sun. Well, why are you thankful for the sun? Because it gives me vitamin D because then the flowers grow because, because I can think of like six things to be grateful for the sun for. So write down those six things, Mm -hmm. but really it changes everything when you do it in the morning and just like being grateful. And then when you catch that gratitude bug and you see people around you that aren't grateful, you realize it. And it kind of, it changes you in the sense that you don't want to hurt them and say like, you're so ungrateful, but you want to be able to show them, but no, you actually can be grateful. Like it's going to be okay. It really is. Like, and when you start doing that too, and they look at somebody else that they've never heard say that you change other people's minds. Mm-hmm. So no, it's so true. You mentioned something before. I want to have you explain because some people might've heard it and been like, wait, what's that manifesting? So okay. tell us what that is. And I'm also really curious what your answer to this would be because you're also a woman of faith. And that's mm-hmm. something I feel like I've seen people that get kind of like, Ooh, around something like manifesting because it feels very woo woo or mm-hmm. they don't know what it is and how that can be remedied with trusting God and having full faith in God as being the way maker. And, and how, what is the balance mm-hmm. there between you making something happen or you trusting God to make something happen? Okay. So manifesting is like, I'm so glad you asked about God. Cause I have so many good answers for that question. And I've been <laughs> asked that, I've been asked that so many times and manifesting is when something comes to be or when something happens. And I was going to look up the de- definition, but it says like apparent through the appearance of symbol or symptoms, like it's apparent that it's happening and you're bringing it onto yourself or it's, it's becoming something like when you manifest, um, a, a job, like, well, they were able to manifest the results. People use that language. They manifest it. So when you're asking about the faith part, I had people asking me like, well, you claim to be this Christian. You claim to be, you're really strong in your faith, but how can you do that? And then you talk about manifestation. So what did Courtney do? Courtney went and I looked up all the times in the Bible where God used the word manifest in the Bible. Mm. And it's in the Bible a lot to the point where I even sent pictures and videos to other girls that have been on other programs and been like, look, it's okay to use the word manifest. It's okay for me to say I'm manifesting something because I'm putting it out there into the, into the atmosphere and saying like, okay, God, do what you want. I'll be able to make it happen. And it doesn't mean it's a lot of times. I think that people believe that manifesting is only money and you can manifest so much more than money. And in a little bit, I'll tell you in a second, what I, I've manifested some things that have nothing to do with money and making things happen that it's like, wow, I was able to do this, 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 and this, and I had nothing to do with it. No, I manifested it. it. I believed it would happen and it did happen. And the other thing about manifesting is I don't give it a deadline. I'm not like, well, I wanted this thing and it didn't happen yet. The same car that I'm driving right now, I couldn't get six years ago because I didn't have enough credit. I was super young. I didn't have any of those things or seven years ago now. So when my other car got totaled, we ended up getting the same car that I wanted originally. And the car was less, it was newer. It was a better model. Like I went from not a Tahoe, but to a Denali. And it was like, well, how did you get that? Well, I manifested it. That, that's what happened. I didn't say when I was writing down, this is the car that I wanted. And then when I didn't get it, oh, see, I knew that I knew that wasn't going to happen. No, I didn't know that wasn't going to happen. I know it is going to happen. I just don't know when it's going to happen, but it'll happen eventually because I'm going to manifest it. And when I manifested it, I might've had to total the other car and go through that situation. However, when people would ask like, oh, but you're so lucky you have, 
you, you have a, a Denali and you have this and you have that. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you have to know what somebody went through to get to where they're at. And even take the fact that we were in a bad car accident to get this new car. But the things that someone goes through in their mindset work and actually putting the time into it that I'm like, I can manifest anything without a deadline. I don't have to have a deadline to make it happen. How do you know then if something is God's will or not? Or does that come into your, your practice at all when you're going to manifest something? Because like, I mean, I've heard this all the time where someone wants something so badly and mm-hmm. God just says no for some reason. And maybe you find out later why that was or what was coming instead. But then how does that, if at all, come into the process of manifesting if we're trying so hard because we think something is, is what we want? Well, what if that's not in the divine plan for us? How does that, how is that remedied in that? I think that if sometimes God will give you a no because he has something bigger planned anyway. Like he knows what the plan is in front of you. So going back to my car, when I couldn't get that white Denali and or white Tahoe, I'm sorry, when I couldn't get the white Tahoe that I wanted seven years ago, I was so mad. I was so upset. I couldn't understand. Like I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. And this is when I was in corporate and I was writing down all the things I knew it was going to happen. Well, no, I didn't manifest my white Tahoe. It didn't happen. Okay. So now I look like, see, she says that you can manifest anything. Well, I didn't manifest it. Then when the accident happened, it just happened that that car was at another lot. It was a trade-in. It was all these things. I would have never been able to find it. It wasn't a Tahoe. No, it was a Denali model of a Suburban. So not only did I get what I had originally asked for, but it was bigger, better, upgraded, all these things and cost me less. But the way I looked at it was like, okay, see, I was patient and I wasn't worried about it. But if God says no, then I say, okay, because it's his will over mine. And everything that I've been through in my life, that is something that I've learned too. As bad as you might want something, it's a lot of the times when you don't get it, it's because there's something else that it was already planned underneath that you had to realize that that's what was coming. So I think for me, when it comes to faith, at least, I say that God already has the plan. And if it takes him more time, I'm on his time, not mine, his word, not mine. So that's how I look at it when something doesn't happen. But like the deadline part, I think for a lot of people, they feel like it has to happen by this. I had a client once that told me, Courtney, I wrote down all these affirmations I wrote, and she was a Christian. I wrote on all these things. I donated my money. I did my tithes. I did this. I did that. And nothing happened. So what do I do? Because God didn't come through for me. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. God is always there for you. But you have to say, when you say, God, use me, you, have, you can't say, use me, but I'm going to tell you exactly how I want to be used. You can't do that. You have to be like, okay, and ready to be like, I'm telling you right now, if you say, use me, God, you have to be okay with however he's going to use you. If you put that out there, because he already knew you were going to say it before you said it. So if somebody doesn't believe in manifesting because they think that it's against God or like it didn't happen before when they tried to manifest something, like, well, time isn't, time isn't over yet. There's an elevation song that says, if I'm not dead, God's not done. And that's Mm -hmm. what I was listening to yesterday. If I'm not dead, God's not done. So you can manifest something whenever you you can manifest something way later on, or perhaps your child gets it or your child receives something and you're like, wow. So actually I had a craving to manifest this thing, but it wasn't. So I would manifest it. It's so that my son saw it and was like, you know what? That's what I want. And they manifest it later. So that's, that's what I think about it when it comes to faith. And when it comes to like God saying like, nope, he's not going to show up and show out. He just doesn't show up. 
And you're like, no, but I still have my faith. And because it's that strong, I know that I can manifest anything. I just have to do it on his plan. Like his plan is not mine. And, but his plan is the way that I'm supposed to go. Because I know that at this point, every time I've just followed him, it's been what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. It always makes me think too of David and Goliath in the Bible, because it's like, David showed up and God did not zap Goliath down with a lightning bolt from heaven. He was like, right. no, no, no. Like David still had to pick up the stones and throw them himself. So you can have all the faith in the world, but like there's never going to be a time in your life where you just get to sit back comfy on your favorite chair and have God shoot things down from heaven for you where they just magically appear. It's like, you got to do the work. Yes. So can you tell what also, what is like a process for manifesting because I feel like people might be hearing this thinking that like you're sitting there just meditating being like bring me the Denali so like what like what does that actually look like for people who have no clue what the heck that even means what the, what the manifesting part is so yeah and I will also say this I will say what it's not first let me start off with what it's not because that a lot of people they'll just stop even listening or they'll be like I don't manifest I don't that's I don't listen to any of that stuff this is what manifestation is not manifestation is not you're doing there's no action you're just putting the thoughts out there into the universe or to god or whoever it is that you're putting out there like this is what i want it's not a genie you, you can't just have like these things aren't just gonna poof appear but you take no action and that's where I, i've seen i don't want to say a lot i've seen a number of coaches or even speakers that talk about how you can just put it out into the atmosphere. What do you want? Well, yes, you do have to put it out into the atmosphere and I'll go over the process that I use. However, you have to consistently go about the practice and put the action into place. And that's why I said the thing about the pen to paper, because a lot of people won't even like, I don't have to write. No, you do. You do. Like, that's exactly how I'll talk to my clients. You do. Where's your pen? Where's your paper? Send me a picture. I don't need to see what your journal says, but send me the picture. Send me the video of you flipping through the pages and me seeing that you have written it down pen to paper. So the process for me, cause I use visualization, which is the way that you see something, the way that it feels, the way that it smells, the way that it sounds, getting your mind to the point where you're like, all right, I already know this is going to happen because I can, I can smell the, I can smell the fresh leather in that Denali. I know that that new car smell, what it smells like. I hear the doors unlocking and then what did it feel like when i got the denali and this is this is the visualization manifesting part not when i actually finally had the car but leading up to that i knew how it was going to feel i knew what it was going to sound like so in my mind i was already like i know how this is going to be it has to happen because i told myself the visualization and i wrote it down and i i just knew it so that's why when it happened was i happy yeah was i excited of course was i surprised no I was like, of course this would happen, God. Of course I would find this car. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Because I already knew eventually it would happen. So when you start your manifesting journey, and it's so funny you asked me this. I just did a call with somebody last week because she was a Christian and she was saying this stuff like, well, what do I write down? Do I say, God, dear God, I want this, I want that. I'm like, God knows you're talking to him. Like just write it in your journal. You don't have to, God isn't gonna say, well, you didn't specify that you wanted it from me and he's going to think it's coming from somebody else. If you're deep in your word and you're deep in your faith, or even if you're new and you're just building your faith, even if you're not a Christian, then that's like, you can be whatever religious background you want to be. You can have no religious background. 
but putting it down there and accepting this is what you are calling into existence. This is what you're saying you see is possible. It's kind of like the same as somebody telling you, you can't do that. And you're like, yes, I can. I can tell you why I can do this. And it's like a little kid. I can do this because I have five different reasons why boom, 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 boom. Once you wrote down how it was going to feel, what it was going to sound like, what it was going to smell like, what the reaction was going to be around you. And that's when it becomes not surprising. And it becomes easier because you're like, well, I already know what's going to happen because I have visualized it. I have seen it happen. Now, what would happen if I didn't get that Denali and something else happened and I got like, I don't know, I don't want a Porsche, but like instead of the Denali, it was a Porsche. That's a totally different, you go from Denali to Porsche, like it was even bigger and better. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to short, give myself shortcomings because of that. Or if I said, okay, my, the, what I'm manifesting this year is I'm going to manifest a hundred thousand dollars. Do you think when somebody manifests a hundred thousand dollars in a year, they say, okay, I'm done. See you next year. I'll set my goal. I set my goal. But then once you make a hundred thousand and you get to 150, you still manifest with 150,000. You did the actions and you believe that it was going to happen. And it wasn't surprising because you knew how it was going to feel. You knew what it was going to sound like. You knew what it was going to be like when you told people about this awesome news. So that's what I use when it comes to manifesting, writing it down and doing my visualizations. And a lot of the things that I do too, like I use in my mind maker program, which is a whole other program within itself. There's like different detailed things to do depending on your subconscious blocks, depending on what it is that you're lacking and depending on how comfortable you are with believing in manifesting. Cause that's the other thing you have to believe in it. You have to know that it's safe to do that. And that's why I say it's not always about money, like manifesting a parking spot. You manifested that. Or when I went to Target with my mom yesterday in Harrisburg, we got two cushions for something. And I was like, let me scan it and see it. And then it was another coupon for $4 off. We went up to the register and it was actually $17 off. So I'm like, see, you manifested the, the cushions for the porch because you said you wanted them. Not only did you manifest one, you manifested two and you only paid for half of one because it was that much reduced. I'm like, see, you manifested that. You didn't manifest the money in your pocket, but you manifested it monetarily. It didn't cost you as much for that. So even manifesting like that is a thing. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so detailed. I feel like it's a whole other world that people have no idea about. It's like crazy here. Yes. yes. And I guess now that I'm like so many years into doing this and it's like a thing and my husband will be like, now he's finally at the point where he's like, okay, I got it. Like, guess what I manifested today? When you get that to be like your language and that to be your conversation and that to be what it is that's like driving you like you're no longer you let go of the fear you let go of all of those things because Mm -hmm. I know it's going to work itself out I'm not giving it a deadline but I can manifest anything and correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like a way of simplifying it is it's like having the belief and confidence that it will happen having the faith in God and trust to have the help along the way in that sense but it's almost like setting your mind on something so that you can work backwards and take mm-hmm. action accordingly to get you there. So it's almost like creating that map It's so that it's not just, yeah, I'm just going to, like you said earlier, it's not like you're just waving a wand and being like, ta-da, look what I just made happen out of thin air. It's more just like you're setting your sight on something, but then that is impacting all of the decisions that you make exactly. on any given basis. So it feels like it's just happening, but it's really not. It's because you're changing the entire way that you think and act and live to align yourself to get Mm -hmm. on the road to get to that specific finish line. So that's why it's like, it's no surprise because if you're doing the work, 
you were working towards it all this time. So, and when you're doing the work, like the other back end with the mindset work, that's why it comes in because, okay, you've never done any mindset work. You've never done anything else. You're just, you're just focused on the manifesting. Okay. So now you manifest that million dollars that you wanted. You manifest the lottery. What do you think is going to be different? Other than the fact that you have more money in the bank, you're still going to have the same fears. You're going to have all those things that are the same and the same. Like if you're afraid of losing money, if your money mindset isn't where it needs to be, your wealth consciousness is not where it needs to be. That's why people that win the the millionaire, win the lottery, they lose their money so fast because they're still in the same mindset they were at before they actually won the money. Mm. And they can't understand because they're so afraid they're going to lose it. They basically give it all away. Like they just spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it because they don't want that to happen where I, I know what it's like to not have it. So I'm just going to get rid of it. So I don't have to go through that. And then they lose it. But that's because they didn't do the mindset work before they manifested what they wanted. That's why the two things kind of go hand in hand. And I believe that once I started doing the mindset work more and I started recognizing like my wins for the day, I'll put what I manifested. So yeah, that was a, that was a perfect description though that you just gave. I really like that. That was awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. I want to, I want to switch gears for a second too, because you had most recently such mm-hmm. a crazy medical diagnosis and experience and it like is shaking everything for you. And it's like truly the embodiment of going from surviving to thriving. So I want to dive into this so that you can, I don't even know the full story yet. So I'm like really excited to hear this because it's such a testament of like what God is using you for since you stood up and raised your hand and were like, use me Lord. Um, and he's like, all right, here we go. Buckle up. So tell us about what's going on because this is, this is wild. Yeah. So I'll give you the shorter version of the long story just cause it's like a whole book I could probably write, but I think you, you will, you do know about my heart, right? Like, you know, that I had open heart surgery when I was a baby, I was a heart baby children's hospital, Philadelphia chops, my place. So I was selected for a study, which is normal because I'm an adult. I'm super healthy, right? I'm super healthy. And they asked me, would you be, and I was so excited because they were like, would you be interested in a study? We'll pay you. We'll put you in Philly. Awesome. Pay for your dinners. Awesome. Your husband can come even more awesome. And it's about how your brain and how your mind is developing given the, the heart condition I had, which is called Tetralogy of Fallot. So I'm used to being at children's. It's nothing new for me. It's, I still go to my doctor at children's, even though I'm an adult because it's a congenital heart defect. So I'm still going to see a pediatric cardiologist that knows how my heart's supposed to develop. So I'm like, of course I want to do this. this is awesome. I go and the last part of this thing I got to take, they asked me questions about like my mindset. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> the last thing was the MRI. Cause they want to see like how my brain was developing. When I left the MRI and I saw my little gown and I went to go change clothes, there were two adult doctors, meaning they were from UPenn. I think you know Philadelphia, but they were from UPenn, which is not the children's hospital. And I was like, well, why would there be adult doctors looking at my MRI when they're from Penn and everybody in here is a children's? If it, you know, like they're, why are they looking at this? So we leave, that's the last thing. We go to Cherry Hill. And we go to the Cheesecake Factory to eat. And I said to my husband, I don't know, but I just think it's really weird because there were two adult doctors from Penn looking at my scan. Like, don't you think that's odd? And he was like, Courtney, you're just, I'm like, no, but I really just have this feeling. This is just weird. So we get back to the shore, the Jersey shore. And that night I didn't realize I had three missed calls from the hospital. 
The next morning, I have an email that the cardiologist that was in charge of this whole study had tried to call me. Then her nurse called me. Then her secretary called me. And the message that she finally left me was like, it's very important you call us back. And when I left Children's, they told me that we will not, you will not hear anything about this study for at least, at least four months. So mm-hmm. unless there's something wrong, you won't hear anything from us. So I'm like, what? You're like, Why? shoot, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Why are they calling me? Dwayne had to work that night. So like that was, that is the first time in my life. And I don't, can't say it's going to be the only time in my life, but hopefully that I could not sleep. It was like, there was no going to bed. I had to get in touch with this doctor. Cause I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I have brain cancer? What if I have a tumor? Like, what if they found something crazy? Like all these things, it just didn't make any sense. So when I finally call the doctor the next day, because it was after hours and I missed her call, she calls me back. And she's saying all these things. She's like, so we found some findings on your MRI scan. And because she's a cardiologist, she's saying all these things. She's like, so we want you to see a neurologist. And she gives me these names to recommend, but all the names she's recommending, because I'm doing two things at once. Of course, I'm like searching on my computer as I'm on the phone with her. And all these doctors were coming back. And I was like, okay, can I just ask you this? Because I know you can't tell me you keep saying you're a cardiologist. And she was so nice. I was like, but the doctors you are sending me, they're all MS specialists. Does it look like I have MS in that scan? And she said, you have symptoms and signs from your brain scan that you could possibly have MS. So I was like, okay, which was for me, it was like, okay, like I know it's not cancer and I know it's this, but now this is a whole new journey. And when you're saying the thing about use me, use me, use me, that was my, the last line of every time when we talked about my mindset practice, it would always be, because that's the other thing I do with my mindset practice. I do go into the word and I do do my praise and worship also. But my prayer always ends with use me, use me, use me, use me. And I had it written down so many times. So now I was like, okay, God, I guess this is okay. Now we're here. You're going to use me. This is crazy because I thought I was being used with my heart and everybody knew that. But this doesn't make any sense because I don't seem like I have MS. Like my mom is thinking, she's like, he's like, there's no way that's not possible end up that I have to change all of my insurance. I have to wait until January, wait till January. Then COVID happens. I had gotten my appointment. It was supposed to be March 24th. Well, everything was shut down. He was like, listen, um, can we do a telemedicine appointment? I was like, okay, but I only had the one MRI. I was like, all right. So I tell him my whole story and he was like, okay, like I think for my doctor now, he, he just thinks I'm awesome because I'm like one of those movie patients that it's like, you know, you hear about on like a commercial or something like she had no symptoms. They had no idea. And then she went in for something totally different and they find this out, but except they find something out about me, but I'm like the complete opposite of what they're saying about me. So he talks to me on the phone. He was like, listen, I know COVID's going up. I was the only appointment that my neurologist took in person. He's like, I have to see you in person. So I have to go there. There's nobody else in the office. It's so awkward and it's scary because when COVID first started, we're all wearing masks. Dwayne couldn't come in. And I'm like, can you please come in? I think I'm going to be diagnosed with MS. I'm crying. And they're like, no, he can't. He has to sit in the car. Ends up going through all this stuff. He says, okay, well, yes, your scan is abnormal, but I'm just going to give you a few tests. A few tests, a few tests. No, a few tests is like, a, like maybe one or two or three. Three is a few, right? No, it was 17 blood tests. Yeah. 17 vials of blood. How do you have any blood left? Because there's different sizes of vials. That's what my mom said. Same exact words. There's different sizes of vials. So some were like 
long, some were short, all these things. I have to get blood work. Okay. And I'm afraid of needles. So I'm thinking like, all right, if I can just get through this, then he's like, you're going to have to get two more MRIs because the two of my spine and like the back of my neck, because I have to check my spine for lesions. I'm like, okay. And then I had to get a spinal tap or a lumbar puncture. All of this while COVID is happening, while oh nobody's supposed to be at hospitals, while all of that. So everything was delayed. But the thing that I felt and the way that I thought, and when you were saying like the Testament and like, you know, I just, I didn't change my language. I think the reason why, when finally I went through the lumbar puncture, my birthday was on May 24th. On May 26th, I was at Cooper in Camden getting a spinal tap. And then by June 1st, I finally had my diagnosis. And it wasn't like, he was never thinking it could have been something else. It was very unlikely it was something else, but they have to do all those tests before they can give you the diagnosis. But I look nothing like my brain scans. I look nothing like the way that I should based on what that scan looked, the way that my lymphocytes are. I look nothing like it. The only thing that I've had before is I've had blurred vision before in my right eye. But I never thought anything of it because we went to the doctor when I was little and they were just like, she gets retinal migraines. It's, it's nothing, but it was something. And it would only happen every once in a while. But now what I know is that's when I have a relapse, I could lose my vision. And I didn't think anything of it just being blurry. Like you have two eyes. Why does it matter if this one is blurry? It was my optic nerve. And that's what they saw on the MRI scan. So when I talk about manifesting, Erica, that's why I said I manifested this diagnosis and got paid to be diagnosed with MS because my trip to children's in Philadelphia, I got paid to go there. I got paid for my dinner. I got paid. My MRI cost me nothing. MRIs cost so much money without insurance. So I can't even imagine how much people, they could stress that they had no way of this being known. And if I was never going to the study, an MRI isn't just something that you tell your doctor, like, hey doc, I think an MRI, could you get me one of those? Let me just make sure everything up here is all good. They don't just do that. So when he finally tells me I have the MS, and I came out on my social media profile and people saw this, my thing was like, listen, you can manifest anything. That's why when I say, oh yeah, I've manifested some things. I can manifest an MRI. I can manifest a, a parking space. I can manifest the doctor that's in charge of all of neurology at the hospital. And is like, you are in my cohort and you are going to be my patient because this is so awesome to see someone that doesn't look like what her diagnosis is. So for me, when that happens, it lit up so many things because people that have followed me, like you said, you followed me for a long time. Did you at any point see me talking negatively, like in the past year that was like, oh gosh, if the doctor said I could have MS because then, then everybody would have an opinion if you know you put something out there or I'm so scared. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Nobody had any idea. And that was from my prayer because God just kept being like, be silent, be silent, be silent, be silent. Because if you can be quiet while you're going through your test before your testimony, if you can be quiet about your mess before the message, it is so much more powerful. And that's why I think God was like, okay, I'm going to use you because your mindset is what got you through this. And your mindset is what changes the minds of others. So by me using my mindset and God being like, okay, time to go. Like, we're going to do this thing zero to a hundred. I couldn't say, God, you're not using me in the way that I want it to be used. However, now I understand when somebody could go through a cancer diagnosis or having multiple sclerosis and it being like, it's a lifelong thing. It's never going to go away. At this point, there's no cure for it. However, I don't look like I am supposed to look if there's any way that you're supposed to look And MS has come a long way in the past 20 years.
whatever. That's what I manifested with that. So yeah, that's how I'm thriving because I've changed it to like, yes, normally before all of my mindset clients, even in my program, most of them were entrepreneurs. I can't say all of them, but most of them were. However, now it's opened up a door where I can talk to somebody about mindset. And even if they don't have a business, if it's somebody with MS, if it's somebody with a child with a disorder, if it's somebody that just isn't isn't going through a good mental space to actually show them what their mindset can do. Because if you look at me and I say, Oh yeah, I have MS. I'm just like, well, no, you don't. That's the worst thing to say to someone too, which I learned. You don't even look like you have that. And it's like, well, what do you think that things look like? Like when if I were to say I had cancer, you wouldn't say, well, you don't even look like you have cancer. You wouldn't say that. But when people have already have an opinion in their mind of what something is going to look like the same as when something is going to go bad or it's going to be horrible. It's very hard to, difficult to switch somebody's mindset to be like, it's not going to be difficult. It's not going to be hard. It's going to be easy. If they've already told themselves in their mind, that's what it's going to be. So when I'm like, look, I'm back, it's Courtney. And a year ago in July, almost a year ago, this happened. You never heard about it because I was waiting until I knew what the next step was. So God could use me with my message to show others that just by changing your mind, you change your whole life. So yes, that is, that is how I'm thriving now. It's so wild. So can you tell everyone too, when you say the doctors were surprised because you didn't look like what mm-hmm. they were expecting, give us, mm-hmm. give listeners who cannot see you right now, kind of like the, what you actually are versus what they might've been expecting to kind of really illustrate here how different those two pictures might be. So for one, there's more than one kind of MS. So there's four different kinds. The one that I have had my MS cookbook in here. The one, the the kind that I have is called relapse remitting multiple sclerosis. So that means you have a relapse and then it goes, it doesn't go away, but when the relapse is gone, you don't have the symptoms in the same form that it could last 30 days. It could last three weeks. It could last for me. Like when I lost the vision in my eye and I wasn't realizing it, that was from April until October. I lost the vision in my right eye. But other than that, I had no weakness. I didn't have any muscle weakness. I work out every day. Like I take care of my health. I take care of all those things. So when people with multiple sclerosis patients, they begin to lose strength. They test you for all those things. My strength had increased since the first time he had seen me. So it was like, well, your strength isn't weakening. And the picture that is painted of MS, because a lot of the MS people that they've seen before were from back like in 1995 before there was as many drugs on the market or as many treatment options on the market or as many specialists that looked at MS as like, okay, this is a lifelong thing. It's not a death sentence. It's not any of those things, but the way that I'm quote unquote supposed to look being that I had that many lesions on my brain is that I should be weak. I should be slurring my words. I should be not being able to relapse and recover that fast. But the portion of like, when it comes to taking care of my health, when they gave me the booklet of things that you need to change, it was like exercise regularly, do that. (laughs) Do this with your diet, I already do that. Um, Meditate, do that. Think about yoga, do that. Be able to have an idea, it was like how to create an affirmation. And I was like, You're like, girl, I get paid to create affirmations for people. So the only thing that I didn't do, Erica, was I didn't, I didn't eat dark chocolate. It was suggested because dark chocolate has a lot of antioxidants in it. Oh, bless. That was it. That was the only thing. I already started taking the vitamin D. I had looked that stuff up. I take all my vitamins. So I do believe that because I was already taking care of my health, 
that that is a very big factor in the fact that I look the way that I look and I don't look like I'm weak and I don't quote unquote, like you said, what does it look like to have MS? Well, I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not, I'm not progressively getting worse. And that's like secondary progressive MS is a whole lot different than having relapse remitting MS. So that's the other thing, knowing what it's going to look like when you go back to mindset, when you already have a view of how something is going to look, I truly believe that you're telling your mind what you, what you want to see happen. Because if you all day are like, I was just diagnosed with this and I'm not going to lie and say that I was just like, oh, this is no big deal. No, when it was first that she said I could have MS, my mind and my tears and me crying, just being like, God, why would this happen? Like, this cannot happen. It can't be the mind. Everybody knows me for my mind. So how is the one, the strongest part of Courtney, the thing that is not the way that it's supposed to be? There's no way this, this, this is a mistake, God. Like you, this is not right. There's no way. But then the more that I learned about the disease, I'm like, okay, well, it's putting that out there. It's having the mindset and doing those things to not be disabled, to not do those things. Does this mean that I would never be disabled? No. Does this mean that I'm going to be over it tomorrow? No. It doesn't mean any of those things. But the fact that I don't look the way that my scan looks and I don't have half of or any of the other symptoms at this point, haven't taken any medication, it, that's why it looks different. Because the other patients that would go to the multiple sclerosis appointments in the center, some of them were already in wheelchairs. Because the second time that I went, there were still people there in the newer office. And I'm like, okay, this, they're probably thinking like, what is this girl doing here? And I'm just like, popping in with my purple hair and my tank top on because it's 90 degrees and I look all like fit. So what is she doing here? <laughs> and that's, yeah. So that, that's what I mean when I say I don't, I don't look as the way that I'm supposed to, if that's right. even the right term to use. So what's next for you? So what is next? So when I did this, I was already in the process and you might've heard of my mind maker program. Cause that's kind of like my baby. That's like my probably I've seen program. you post yeah. it on Facebook. Probably like I always talk about my maker. Um, I was in the midst of running a live mind maker program when COVID happened. I had already started it. We went through the program. We did a live session. However, since my diagnosis, since me being public with it, since all the things happening, since all of the, the things around the world happening currently, I've had more people reach out to me and say, are you going to be doing any kind of mind maker program anytime soon? So what's next for me now is I'm going to be doing like a mini a mind maker mini is what I'm going to call it. Cause mind maker itself is like 28 days. At this point, I don't want anybody to have to take 28 days. I'm going to start it with them slow and short because if they can do the short version, they can definitely do the long version, but that's just something that shows you how to start changing your mind and how to start choosing yourself and choosing your own mind over anybody else's. And then the other thing that's next for me is I'm opening up to more than just business clients, like more than just entrepreneurs, because for a long time, it was the entrepreneur mindset that I understood, but now I understand how you could be struggling with your mindset after a diagnosis or after something horrible happens and choosing to say, this isn't horrible. This is just the journey that I was given. It's kind of like being given directions and saying like, okay, go to the right or go to the left. So that's what I'm doing currently. I am creating my mini mind maker program. The actual live, the next live version of mind maker comes out in September. But right now I feel that there's a need for it. There's a calling for it. And that's what I'm doing right now. Perfect. So that's more than enough time for anybody listening to get in contact yeah. and join yes. the program. <laughs> awesome. So I want to wrap things up. We've been chatting. Oh, what a good, nice, long conversation. I know. Um, I want to, I want to ask you something that I ask all guests, um, on the thrive podcast. And that is what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? 
to me, first of all, let me just say, I love the name Thrive. I think that it's awesome. There's a lot of different Thrive things that I've seen just with the word. I mean, with the word, not like that you took Thrive, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) But to me, Thrive means that you are like going above and beyond, like almost like a rocket taking off. Once it takes off, like it might be really scary when it takes off, right? Because you're in a rocket ship. Like until you break the the atmosphere, you're going to be scared. But once you're there, like you're thriving, you're being able to accomplish what your whole mission was the entire time. It's like mission achieved. Like you're getting there and, and you're growing and glowing and you're happy and it isn't something where you even have the time for the stress because you've learned that you don't need to stress over something because you're thriving. Like you're just, you're growing, you're glowing and growing. That's how I think of it. Glowing and growing. I love it. And how do you strive to thrive in your life? I strive to thrive by always being a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. And that's always the mission, not striving to be a better version of myself on Sunday or not trying to be a better version of myself three months from now it's than yesterday, just a better version than I was yesterday. And that could be, maybe I, I was thinking something, I didn't write it down or me putting more time into my mindset because that's all that does. The more hours you put into your mindset, you're just allowing yourself to grow and glow and do all of the things I just said. So that is what thriving is to me. That's how I'm thriving or how I implement it into my life. That's awesome. So where can people find you online? Okay. So my website is CourtneyDavisCoaching.com. I have my Facebook page, which is Courtney Davis. And there's a few Courtney Davis, but you can find me. I'm sure that you'll (laughs) put my, my title in there, but also on Instagram, my tag is that mind maker. That's my username on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram It'll also take you to my page. And I do have a group on Facebook, which is called Stress Less, Manifest More. And that's a great place to get started. It's just stressing less and manifesting more. And who wouldn't want that? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on Thrive Court. It's always such a pleasure getting to Thank you for having me, Erica. (laughs) Wait, before you go... If you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.